You can pray until you faint. But if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying, Honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Because if you are born in America with a black face, you are born in the mess. All I Five o'clock this morning, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, raided my house. We were alerted of their presence uh, by a, a loudspeaker demanding that anybody in the house where we lived uh, here in St. Louis uh, come out with our hands up with nothing in our hands. We were just sitting in the house at 5 a.m. in the morning talking like we normally t talk. And the next thing we knew, we heard someone say, everyone come out with your hands up. And then we had heard all these flash bombs go off. At the same time they were talking uh, over the loudspeaker, uh, flash bang grenades were going off uh, throughout uh, the neighborhood. They had broken a window downstairs uh, in the basement in the house. They had broken uh, in the house next door, the apartment next door. They had smashed the door in. And when I opened the door, uh, going down the stairs, a drone uh, came into the door. When I get outside, uh, what I see is that there is an armored vehicle in front of the house. Uh, there are combat-clad uh, FBI agents all over the place carrying automatic weapons. Uh, chairman went out first, and then I came out. As I was coming out, this big old drone met me coming down the stairs, you know, like it was going to attack me. And they handcuffed um, myself and the chairman and started, you know, asking us questions, which we didn't answer. They refused to show me a search warrant, uh, but of course they had the guns. And so they had the guns and they were able to enter and occupy my house for uh, several hours. They stole my phone, they stole my computer. Thieves came in and used flashbang grenades to terrorize this entire community and stole some material from us uh, under the color of law. It's a colonial law that we're looking at. All occupants, this is the FBI. You have a federal warrant for this address. Come out now with your hands up and nothing in your hands. At the same time this was going on, they raided the Uhuru House our office in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, they used uh, the battering rams, they, they knocked uh, in the door. Uh, they raided the radio station that we have uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida, Black Power 96. Uh, uh, point three uh, FM. They also went to the home uh, of the residence of the uh, person, the young woman who is the leader of our organization that's responsible for uh, much of the agitation and propaganda, our information uh, institutions, instruments, organization, our newspaper, The Burning Spear. They went and knocked on her door. They told her the lie that her car uh, was being broken into and that she needed to come outside and she they used that as the means of tricking her outside of the house so that they could steal her cell phone and, and what have you and detain her momentarily for a while there. 
Every Friday morning, I wake up at 5.45 to get to the radio station, of course, at about 6 o'clock. I got a call. I said, hello. Says, this is Eddie Maltzby. I said, yes, it is. He says, this is Andrew, agent something from the FBI. And he says, well, I'm outside of the Uhuru house. Are you in the building? He, uh, he said, are you coming here? I said, I'll be there in about 10 minutes. I come there every morning. You, I know they know that. Since then, I've gotten about 70 calls or more today. It did not stop from all day to day. People calling and trying to, you know, connect with us. What is they want to do? One brother said, I'm sick and tired of this crap. I want to go knock on every door in St. Pete to get everybody out. What do you need me to do? What can I do? This has been going on and on all day long. My phone has not stopped working, calling. I want to let you know that people are standing up and ready to fight right now. They didn't just block off the Uhuru house. I mean, they made it impossible for you to like drive down um, 18th Avenue South where the Uhuru house is. And they had tents up. You know, they didn't want you to see what it, what it was they were doing. And when you were talking about like the response from the community, I mean, even though they prevented us from being able to communicate um, with the African community through like our radio station, you know, Africans had seen they saw what was happening and, you know, we were getting all kinds of calls of support and, you know, asking, you know, like questions like, is it on, you know, do, do we need to come? Um, they had a press conference at the police station, the, the St. Petersburg uh, p- uh, police station, and they wouldn't let us into the press conference. Um, so we, uh, a group of us literally had our ear to the door listening to the press conference. And um, uh, it was, it was really a sight to behold. We were, <laughs> we were leaning into the, the door and we could hear, you know, what it is that they were uh, saying, um, you know, about, you know, the basis of uh, of what it is that, you know, the same things that they have in this indictment uh, paper. And um, they had opened it up for questions from the media. And one person from the media goes, is this legal? And they shut the questions down. They stopped <laughs> answering questions. They say, we're not taking questions at this time. All occupants, this is the FBI. The Uhuru Solidarity Center, which is organizing for white reparations to African people under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, was, as was mentioned, attacked this morning as part of this FBI assault on the struggle of black people for freedom and self-determination. Uh, they came in at 5 a.m. at the same time that they attacked this house and the other uh, sites mentioned, and with uh, FBI as well as local police, county police, uh, upwards of uh, around 30 uh, different officers broke through the front door of the apartment, which is upstairs at the Solidarity Center with a battering ram, and uh, put myself and the other person who lives there, who's also part of the organization, in handcuffs, and had uh, at least six or seven assault rifles pointed at us when they brought us out of the building. Then they took five and a half to six hours to uh, ransack both the Solidarity Center downstairs and the apartment upstairs and took computers, cell phones, hard drives, files, notebooks, uh, and a whole long list of things. They uh, took a battering ram. They also had drones. They brought out two people who live upstairs from the Solidarity Center down also in handcuffs with uh, assault rifles at their heads. And uh, they, they took hours going through both the center, the public part, and that, and their house. 
and they came also came to our house in uh, South St. Louis as well. They came at 5 a.m., uh, broke down our door, broke the door, came in, searched everything, took our computers and phones. Even if they had a legitimate warrant, like they said, all they got to do is knock on the door. No knock. No knocks on my brother Fred Hampton, bullet holes all over the place. No knocks on my brother Michael Harrison, jammed a shotgun against his skull. For my protection, who's going to protect me from you? The likes of you, the nerve of you, to talk that face to face, your tomato face, deadpan, your deadpan, deadening another freedom plan. No knocking, head rocking, into shocking, shooting, cussing, killing, crying, lying, and being white. But if you're wise, no knocker, you'll tell your no knocking lackeys, ha, no knock on my brother's head, no knock on my sister's head, no knock on my brother's head, no knock on my sister's head, and double lock your door, because soon someone may be no knocking, ha, ha, for you, no knock. That was Gil Scott Heron, no knock. Uhuru, welcome to Black Power Talks. I'm Soliana Bacal. I'm Dexter Mlewingu. And I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is in our minds 24-7. In the early morning hours of Friday, July 29, 2022, the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation raided the offices and homes of leaders of the Uhuru movement in St. Petersburg, Florida, and St. Louis, Missouri, including the studios of Black Power 96 Radio, home of the Black Power Talks program. Scores of FBI and local police agents broke down doors broke windows, used flashbang devices and drones, and threatened residents with automatic weapons. They seized computers, hard drives, phones, office equipment, and files, both business and personal. At each raid, police taped over the security cameras of Uhuru Movement buildings and, in some instances, of the neighboring properties. They temporarily detained African People's Socialist Party leaders Chairman Omali Eshetela, Onazene Eshetela, and Akile Anai, as well as four leaders of the African People's Solidarity Committee. The U.S. government justified this attack by claiming that Chairman Amali Shatella and the Uhura movement have been employed by the Russian government to sow dissent and interfere with elections. In today's program, we'll examine the legacy of the U.S. government's counterinsurgency war waged against anti-colonial movements worldwide, including the Black Power Movement. We'll review the programs and aims of the Uhura movement and will investigate the circumstances surrounding this week's events. The trail of bodies left in the wake of U.S. government counterinsurgency actions is long and bloody. On January 16, 1961, Patrice Lumumba, first Prime Minister of the Democratic Republic of Congo, was assassinated by the Belgian and U.S. governments, aided by the United Nations. On February 21, 1965, Malcolm X was shot and assassinated by the U.S. government at the Autobahn Ballroom in Manhattan. On April 6, 1968, 16-year-old Bobby Hutton, treasurer and first recruit to join the Black Panther Party, was gunned down and killed by Oakland police. On December 4, 1969, Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, and Mark Clark, also a member of the Black Panther Party, were assassinated by the police in Chicago, Illinois. The record of U.S. intervention into the elections and governments of sovereign nations is also notorious as are the attacks on self-determination programs of African people inside the U.S. borders. To understand the Friday, July 29, 2022 raid on the Uhuru movement by the FBI, 
We need to consider the legacy of the Uhur movement and its leading organization, the African People's Socialist Party. The African People's Socialist Party was founded 50 years ago in 1972. Its founder and chairman, Amalia Chatella, was then known as Joe Waller. He had served as a field organizer with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in Florida in the late 60s. His early notoriety came as a result of his 1960s action, tearing down a mural that hung in St. Petersburg City Hall that depicted African people in a demeaning and subservient way, an action for which he was sentenced to five years in prison and stripped of his right to vote. In and out of prison, in 1968, he launched the Burning Spear, a monthly newspaper that is still published today from the Hoor House in St. Pete, the entire archives of which can be found in the University of Florida's public online digital newspaper collection. From its inception, the African People's Socialist Party has declared its opposition to U.S. colonial oppression of African people and worked for the unification and liberation of African people worldwide. Rising out of the ashes of the FBI's counterintelligence program, also known as COINTELPRO, the APSP set out to rebuild the Black Power movement. Throughout the 70s, the APSP took up the cases of numerous African political prisoners, successfully campaigning for the release of Pitts and Lee, wrongfully convicted in Florida, and of Desi Woods in Georgia, a black woman convicted of murder for killing a white man who was trying to rape her. In 1976, the party formed the African People's Solidarity Committee to win support and to raise reparations from the white community. In 1982, the APSP organized the first World Tribunal on Reparations to African People held in New York City. This tribunal took testimony and evidence submitted to show the U.S. government in violation of the United Nations Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. Here's an excerpt from a documentary produced from recordings of that first reparations tribunal in 1982, beginning with the opening statement delivered by African People's Socialist Party Chairman Omalia Chatella, who served as the People's Advocate for the Tribunal. Today, we are initiating a two-day trial of the United States government for crimes it has committed against the black or African population of the United States. Today we are initiating a two-day process which is remarkable and historic in its implication for the use of international law as a means of addressing the crimes against oppressed people who do not have the benefit of state power and the use of national and international courts which are traditionally only available to those groups who do possess state power. To withhold the right to justice and international legality to the powerless, oppressed African people in the United States would be to validate the most cynical concept that might makes right. It would give credence and validity to the awful concept of the right of the powerful to make and enforce international law. Such law as that is no law at all. It is accepted tyranny. Therefore, this World Tribunal must determine whether international morality might prevail in the interest of the powerless. This tribunal will determine whether, even in the absence of state power, the rights of the oppressed will be recognized as rights which may be respected in the form of applied international law. On November 13th and 14th of 1982, 
Black people from around the United States and the world came together at an international tribunal in New York to hear evidence, historical, statistical, and personal, on the right of black people in the U.S. to receive reparations from the U.S. government. Testimony was put forth under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, which has been ratified by a majority in the United Nations. The Genocide Convention declares as punishable crimes any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group, killing members of the group, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group, forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. That was an excerpt from a documentary produced from recordings of the first reparations tribunal in 1982. Without having the state power needed to enforce a verdict, an international panel of judges found the U.S. government guilty in owing black people $4.1 trillion in reparations for stolen labor alone, with an amount for damages and suffering to be determined later. The party was determined to make reparations a household word. As a result of decades of relentless protest, demonstrations demanding reparations, coupled with a campaign to win individual white citizens to voluntarily pay reparations, Reparations is now being debated in corporate boardrooms, on colonial media, intellectual races, and in the halls of academia. Called 21st Century Garveyites, the APSP built African worker-run self-reliance programs after Marcus Garvey's example. Early efforts included a community bookstore, print and graphic design shop, cafe, free clinic, and childcare collective. A recent news TV broadcast on the CBS affiliate in California's Bay Area highlighted the positive community impact of one of the Uhuru movement's long-standing economic institutions, Uhuru Furniture and Collectives. It's putting power in the hands of the community, and that's the goal of this furniture store in Oakland that's been around for 33 years. Our Justin Andrews is here to explain how this store is furnishing more than just homes. Yeah, it's also furnishing change for certain communities, aiming to bridge disparities, building economic development that's all supported by and for us black people. I happened to find a woman who's been going to Uhuru Furniture Store for about just as long as it's been open, and she calls this place home. If there's anybody who knows furniture, I try not to come every week. Miss Jacqueline Brown is certainly the one. Look at this. How beautiful. This be somebody hand-painted this African design. When she walks in Uhuru furniture, admittedly a little more than she should, it's like the show Cheers. They might not know your name, but they're always glad you came. So for 30 years, I really was one of their first customers. She's been shopping here and getting way more than furniture. I can't tell you what this place has meant to me. Not only the mission, but the pieces they you get here. I'm a staging designer. Staging homes for sale for decades. Miss Brown calls Uhuru Furniture and Collectibles in Oakland her go-to place. The things that I have found here are just incredible. They're one-of-a-kind pieces. Which makes sense because Uhuru alone is special. It means freedom in Swahili. This place represents a sector of Oakland wanting to see real change in economic development by and for the black and African community, something that draws Jada Webster here too. It's great to 
have something be in this neighborhood for so long, especially as you know we see things like kind of closing down all around us. For five years, Jada hasn't only shopped here, she's a volunteer. As a regular at this place, operated by donated furniture, it means a lot to her knowing it's driven by black and African self-determination. That's the foundation of this place as Uhuru movement leader Bakari Olatunji describes it. Families, generations grew up coming to support something that they know has a stamp on it. A big stamp of approval from the classy Miss Brown. Another beautiful piece. She's been rooted in this place. And for 33 years, Uhuru's roots have run deep, holding the local black community in place. I could shop anywhere, but this is where home is. Uhuru is different than a typical thrift store because 100% of the profits benefit the African People's Education and Defense Fund. They've had thousands of volunteers over the last several years. Most of them started as shoppers like Ms. Brown, coming to spend money on furniture, but the store's mission is what actually kept them there. That was an excerpt from a recent news TV broadcast on the CBS affiliate in California's Bay Area. The St. Petersburg, Florida Uhuru House Black Community Center that was raided by the FBI on July 29th, has served the city's historically black South Side for decades. With self-reliance programs, including a licensed kitchen, an events venue, free holiday activities for families, a fitness gym, free HIV testing, health fairs, outdoor marketplaces for local vendors, and for the past five years, Black Power 96.3 FM radio. Our non-commercial radio station that provides local community access to the airwaves and to free professional broadcasting training. The Solidarity Center that was just raided in St. Louis on July 29th is headquarters to the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party to raise reparations to fund the Uhuru Movement's community development program known as the Black Power Blueprint. The Black Power Blueprint was launched following the police killing of Mike Brown in 2014 and is transforming the city's devastated black community on the north side with programs including a community garden, outdoor event venue, workforce housing for the formerly incarcerated, a neighborhood basketball court, a bakery cafe, a women's health center, and a doula training program. Another recent TV report broadcast on the Fox affiliate in St. Louis acknowledged the value of the Black Power Blueprint to local black community revival. Well, the finishing touches are being made on a second mural that will be a part of a new basketball court in North St. Louis. Yeah, one painter's work is going to be free for all to see in an encore of her first display. Jamie the Artist is working daily on her work of art at the future Black Power Blueprint Community Basketball Court. It's located on College Avenue in West Florissant. After the first mural was so well received in the community, the African People's Education and Defense Fund sponsored a second mural. This isn't Jamie's first work in the community. She created a two-story high painting on the side of a house overlooking the One Africa, One Nation Farmers Market nearby. That was an excerpt from a recent news TV broadcast on the Fox affiliate channel in St. Louis. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. On today's program, we're talking about the July 29, 2022 FBI raid on the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhura Movement. Later in the day of the FBI raids on the offices and homes of leaders of the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhura Movement, the U.S. Department of Justice issued an indictment of a Russian national charging him with waging an influence campaign to sow division and spread misinformation in the U.S. 
African People's Socialist Party Chairman Amali Chatella had this to say. They're saying that somehow the Russians are using the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru movement to bring disregard to their democratic institutions and that's why they attack our house, which is ridiculous in its face for a number of reasons. Number one, if they were interested in dealing with anybody that was giving a bad taste to anybody in the world about U.S. elections, then they would have had to deal, first of all, with the fact that a mob of white people, apparently supported by the majority of white people in this country, given money by huge corporations uh, who exist in this country, tried to overthrow the government on January 6th. Not a single flashbang bomb. It's just a, an absolute nefarious uh, lie that they are constructed. This charge that somehow Russia was interfering through us against honest and noble elections in the United States government where they used to kill us for even trying to register to vote where some of the most significant leaders of black people came to be known by the world because they faced police dogs, bombings and stuff like that in order to vote and somehow Russia is attacking this noble U.S. government in its electoral process through the African People's Socialist Party. It is the most ridiculous charge, the most ridiculous claim. If they were serious about interference in elections in this country, hmm. there are more than 400 bills in state legislatures today, 400, more than 400, that are based on limiting the voting ability of black people in this country. Right now, right. And there are 18 states that have already enacted laws making it harder for black people to vote. Right now, 18 states. Joe Biden put 100,000 policemen in the streets of this country, killing black people all around the country. The U.S. government did that. And so they want to make us instruments of the Russians because we complain about it. But black people have been complaining about our treatment forever, and you can go back for 50 years, and you will not find a single change in the politic and the position of the African People's Socialist Party regarding our relationship uh, to the United States. Well, now suddenly we are supposed to become uh, tools of Russia, like black people don't have minds of our own to be able to define what our reality is and who's responsible for it. They killed Malcolm, they got rid of Garvey, they put him in prison, they killed Lumumba, they killed Nkrumah, they, they killed Martin Luther King and what have you, and then in, the, in this desert that they create of leadership, they make an assumption that they can tell black people anything and that we don't have the ability to respond, but we do. And that's something that everybody should be clear of and you should be clear of, because the African People's Social Party has been working for 50 years. We've created institutions, organizations, committees that span the globe and inside the United States. We've taken on every contradiction that we are afflicted with as a people. Ideological, what is the philosophy? What do you believe in? We've, we've created a philosophy that speaks to what happens to African people and to the peoples of the world. And that's something that has been providing leadership not only for black people in this country, but other oppressed peoples around the world. That's the problem that they have uh, as well with the African People's Socialist Party. We created the African National Women's Organization. We created the International People's Democratic Rural Movement to fight against the assault on so-called democracy of black people here. We are the ones who are created the African Socialist International. So the struggle of African people is not something they've been able to confine uh, to black people in the United States, but we've connected it around the world. That's who we provide leadership for. That's what the United States government is fighting against. That's what they fear, even in the face of everybody being able to see 
and obvious decline of white power and the United States government as the chief hegemon of white power in the world. That's what we are contending with and I wanted you to know that and to have some access to a different narrative than, than what is being imposed on people by the United States government and by the U.S.-led uh, media who gets his news and information from handouts from U.S. government uh, institutions, the FBI, uh, the just so-called Justice Department, and what have you. Chairman Omali argues that the attacks on the African People's Socialist Party are carried out in response to the successful work the Hoor movement has done to build concrete self-reliance programs in the U.S. and around the world. They know that the African People's Socialist Party, just in St. Louis alone, not to count what we've done in Philadelphia in terms of economic projects there for the African community, that in terms of the Uhuru furnitures there, not, not to mention even the, the markets that we created there, the One Africa, One Nation market to get money circulating in the African community and what they like to refer to as food deserts, which are nothing but power deserts, that, that we support up to a hundred or more vendors that come out to feed their families. They don't mention that, but that's what the Uhuru movement has done. Uh, the Uhuru movement in St. Louis alone, in just five short years, we have transformed North St. Louis that they have actually created a plan in 1972 that's designed to starve black people out of St. Louis. They engage in a process now to make St. Louis a majority white city. And the work that the Uhuru movement done, has done in terms of creating institutions, rehabilitating the community in so many ways is uplifting the entire community. We've created economic institutions. We've got a program that's happening today for African doulas. They tore down the hospital for black people so that we don't even have a hospital. So African women in St. Louis, like most places around the world, do not have access to birthing facilities. We changed that. We took that on. And even as recently as today and tomorrow, we have programs where African women are learning to be doulas and so can go out in the world and train other African women so that we can have a birthing situation that's uh, favorable to African people. We've created a program where we are training African people who get out of prison. They can come and participate in the Uhuru Bakery Cafe that we have taken a huge uh, empty building, bought the building, so that we can create Uhuru Bakery Cafe there for economic development for our community that would cater to African men and women who are in prisons. They can come out into a workforce, an African international workforce program, and learn uh, culinary skills and learn how to run restaurants and things like that and provide jobs for the people in our own community, our job not owned by any individual, not privately owned uh, by white power, but contends with the economic forces that penetrate our community and suck the life, suck the blood out. They hate us for that. They're opposed to us because of that and all of the other institutions that we've created. So this makes us a threat. They see in the African People's Socialist Party a vanguard for the struggle for the liberation of our people. They see that because not just what we do here in the United States, but because we had the temerity to do like Garvey, to do like Malcolm X, and take the struggle of black people around the world. It is no coincidence in my estimation. The relationship of uh, this attack coming now, after the July 2nd, attack on the Uhura House in St. Petersburg with a flamethrower, with a military-grade flamethrower that was used there uh, by some Negro who was supposedly uh, doing it because he hated socialists and because he hated that ugly flag. And the police department refusing to charge that person with anything other than a misdemeanor. Mischief is how it was characterized. 
a flamethrower, a military-grade uh, flamethrower. So that's connected. We're sure of that. Following the U.S. government raid on the offices and homes of the African People's Socialist Party in the Uhura movement, Chairman Amalia Shatella spoke to a gathering of white supporters at the Uhura Solidarity Center in St. Louis, one of the buildings that had been invaded and ransacked by FBI agents. To say that this is happening from some external force is extraordinarily disingenuous on the one hand, uh, but it also is something that attacks your support because much of what I'm talking about has been a consequence of the reparations that you have given mm -hmm. to this movement mm -hmm. to try and repair the damage that white power has done historically mm -hmm. to black people uh, in this country and around the world. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for us to grapple with that. In the 1960s, so many black people were killed, murdered by this government. Mm -hmm. Panthers. Uh, I used to go to jail so often I would have to read the newspapers to find out where I was. I was in and out, in and out, jails, prisons, and stuff like that, just to try to organize our people. There's no record in my history of ever being engaged in robberies. I've never tried to bribe anybody uh, like a black office holder did here in St. Louis to say, if you pay us some money, a black older person, if you pay us some money, then I will help you do what needs to be done here. We didn't pay him money. Right. We organized our community and we organized you. Yes. We didn't have to pay him. We got resources from you. You paid reparations. That's what they hate. That's what they don't yes. want to see happen. Yes. Mm -hmm. They want us to have some obsolete narrative yep. that suggests that the contradiction that we have is biological. Mm -hmm. That white people are this and black Talk people are that and there's some Talk biological divide. There's no biological Talk divide here. Yes, what we are engaged in is a contradiction that has its basis in political and politics and economy. And the politics are informed by the economic relationships that we have with you, yep. that we have with white people, that yep. we have with this country and the world. And so what we see is an econ economy of parasitism that yep. sucks the life, sucks the blood from Africa, from the Americas, from black people here in this country. And then there's a politic, there's a philosophy that excuses that, mm -hmm. that yeah. justifies that and what have you. And then what we've done is we penetrated that. Yes. You penetrated that. Mm -hmm. You become a part of this response that says that we don't accept that. That's right. So that's, that's what's so critically important. Yes. And they don't want that. They want right. to maintain this black-white divide. No matter what else they say, they want to maintain that. But we are not going to fight them on those terms. The problem is not my problem. It's not black people who define white people. It's white power who define whiteness and blackness and the whole bit. So it's an ideological and political construct. Yes. And what we're saying is, we are fighting against colonialism. Right. And the world that we live in, white people are colonizers. Right. Yeah, there's nothing I can do to make white people unwhite. There are not enough classes that you can go to to change that reality. Right. Not enough tanning parlors that you can attend that would change that reality. So that's not the issue. The issue is white people can join the struggle against colonialism. Even yes. though you are colonized by yes. virtue of your relationship yes. to us, then you yes. can break out of that. Yes. Come on. Yes. Yes. That's what, that's what but they don't want that. Because once that happens, then they've got to fight all of us and not just black yes. people that are located in yes. North St. Louis. they got to fight all of us. So in the 1960s, they were able to isolate 
a movement what? that can kill Fred Hampton and not get a single peep from white people. Huh. On the one hand. On the huh. other hand, they could kill those people in Kent State and right. they thought there was going to be a white revolution because right. white people were able to respond to that. Right. What we're saying is there's one struggle hmm. and the whole struggle rests upon the foundation of a colonial domination of black people stolen into the land. Penny Hess is the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, formed in 1976 to build political and material support from the white community as a part of the African People's Socialist Party strategy for African liberation. Chairman O'Malley Shetela has represented carrying out and fighting for the liberation of Africa as the homeland and, and resource of African people and created a strategy to answer the question, what to do about the white people? that we have lived off the backs of African people for 600 years. This is a colonial mode of production that the chairman has called it, that everything that we have, all good services and, and everything produced, comes at the expense of African people on land, stolen and genocide committed against the indigenous people, and colonial domination of the peoples on the planet Earth. Mm -hmm. This is why white people have to be part of the strategy mm -hmm. for the liberation mm -hmm. of African people, that we have to be able to go behind enemy lines. Mm -hmm. We are in many neighborhoods, um, and we're putting out flyers and talking to people all in this vicinity, doing drops, and seeing a tremendous support from white people yes. here in, in St. Louis for the demand and the stand of reparations to African people as the only way that this so-called Delmar Divide, which is really an analogy for colonialism inside yes. the borders of the United States, yes. is ever going to be overturned. Yes. African people need their resources back, yes. and that's what the African People's Solidarity Committee and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement represent the central question for white people, for all people in the world, is this assault on Africa, this colonial reality that exists, and we sit on the pedestal at their expense. This city, over and over and over again, has done everything it could physically to attack African people and to steal all the wealth that African people have created. Mill Creek Valley, you just say it over and over and over again. Every time African people achieved mm -hmm. some prosperity and ownership in this, in this town, they were attacked, either by, as Jeremy says, either by the wrecking ball or redlining or any other kind of way, every possible way. And when we look at that Delmar Divide and we see those mansions right there before you get there, you know, it, it's, that's real. That, that wealth belongs to African people yes. in this city. And that's what Chairman Obama Chatello is fighting for. All of this has been about the self-reliance, self-sufficiency, uh, economic power in the yes. hands of the party and the African working class. And I just want to say that because everything that was built through the Black Power Blueprint and every other way has come through support from many thousands mm -hmm. of individuals mm -hmm. yes. and different kinds of programs to support the building of the, of the Black Power Blueprint of every single, yes. every single thing yes. there mm -hmm. was yes. fought for yes. and it was given yes. and it was won 
And it was a lot of white people, all kinds of people donated to it, but, and still do, but a lot of white people took a stand consciously as I'm going to pay my reparations, small and large. And they put that in, and that has created that, and that is documented, so you can see every step of the way of every project. And I also want to say that we have seen how this United States government has treated African people who stand up for the freedom, justice, and liberation of their people. Mm -hmm. So what we want to say is that this building here is incredibly historic and significant, and that we want to, to make a commitment that we will build a movement of white people that, hand, that says, hands yes. off the yes. Uluru yes. movement. Yes. Yes. not allow this city to touch one thing, anything, on any, on Chairman Omali Shatella or any member of the Uhuru movement, the African People's Socialist Party, or, or people that live in the community, the African people in the, in the community anywhere, that we want to take that stand. We want this to be a real front that is out there, that is doing what it's supposed to be doing behind enemy lines and winning all the other white people who can be part of this, who want to take a stand, who want to be on the forward side of history, who do not want to be the enemy of African people, do not want to be the pawns of the system that says that we are supposed to you know, be complicit with the police and everything that they do and the state and this government. So we're calling on white people, take a stand. A regular guest on the Carl Nelson Show in the Washington, Baltimore area, Chairman Omali Chitella spoke on the program following the FBI raid, addressing its political and legal aspects. Good morning again, family. I guess it's Chairman Amali Eshatella from the African People's Socialist Party. Uh, Chairman Amali is considered one of the most powerful proponents of African liberation movement, of the African liberation movement. That's probably why they're after him. Oh, thank you so much. I just want to say that people around the world can see uh, something very serious is happening in terms of a transformation of the whole political and economic configuration of the world. That's happened independent of the existence of the African People's Socialist Party and Omali Shatella. I think the things that we do uh, is give coherence and direction to the struggle of our people for liberation. We are about the liberation of black people. And we're not trying to deliver African people up to be slaves to anyone, anyone anymore. So it, it's not about Russia. It's about people's fight to be free and people's determination to be free. Uh, and it's an assault on African people. That, that's what we're looking at, an attack on black people and its advanced attachment, its vanguard. Uh, that's a point that we really, really must understand to take ourselves se uh, seriously and understand our significance uh, as a people and our freedom, the significance, what that means to the ongoing stability of a social system based on slavery and colonialism. And this attack on, on the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru movement and me uh, is an attack on black people, but they will spash and destroy everything they can about me and what we do. Uh, in order to get to our people because of our effectiveness in reorganizing the struggle for black liberation after three generations almost of destruction and murder and assassinations and coups, etc. 
right. Before the end of the call, a tweet question for you, Chairman. Tweeter says, has any lawyers reached out to file a lawsuit against the feds for this illegal search warrant? Well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear this question raised there. This legal issue is extremely important uh, because uh, this is a political war that they're waging against us, but they're using it under the color of law. So the colonizer makes the laws that justifies colonialism. I mean, you remember, they put Nat Turner on trial and, uh, and uh, for fighting to free black people, and then they found him guilty and hanged him. So the question of the law and, and law legal assistance is really important. And just like I'm talking, I raised this whole question about uh, information that people may have in terms of uh, technology that can help us to detect devices, et cetera. We need lawyers. We need a battery, an army of lawyers, not just to wait until after the indictment drops, which I expect any minute now, uh, but uh, to, as this brother suggested, act, whomever it was that tweeted, acted uh, preemptively, we need to be taking this on a very serious way. So we're looking for lawyers. And if you are a lawyer, if you know lawyers, you should have them get in touch with us. Uhuru. Yeah, and it's interesting that uh, it's still, so it's still, uh, the warrant is still in effect. Uh, they haven't told you, that, uh, they filed it. What's the deal with that? Well, they haven't done a warrant against They did a search warrant, and they said they did an indictment against a Russian national. And if he ever comes to the United States from Russia, and I'm glad you raised that, uh, then that they would uh, put him on trial. And I think they said that, uh, I think I've read since then that the maximum sentence that they could give this Russian if he comes to the United States is five years. But they say that uh, we are uh, unindicted co-conspirators, co-conspirators. So they haven't indicted us yet, but that's hanging over our head. And what they, the, the sentence for us for conviction would be 10 years. So the Russian, who they say that we were working with, uh, has a maximum sentence possibility if he ever comes from Russia to the United States, they say, of five years. But we, uh, they say, uh, can be sentenced uh, for, to 10 years in prison uh, if we uh, in, indicted, and I expect an indictment any minute now, uh, and, and, uh, and, and tried and convicted. We can face 10 years. So uh, this, is, this is what we're looking at. This legal question is very, very, very serious. And this whole notion of whether they can do it, they can, in, they can come back and do an indictment. Uh, they, can, uh, they can bring the grand, federal grand, grand jury back, uh, do an indictment. Any minute they want to, they can do an indictment. And that's this notion of co, this uh, non-indicted non co-conspirators uh, it's, first of all, it's a threat. It hangs over our head. It frightens other people uh, and, and, and attempts to do everything they can to isolate the African People's Social Party and isolate black people so that we have no friends, no allies, nobody, uh, and many, many people are afraid to be connected with us precisely because of this. this they, they, it's like going up against the United States government to support black people. And that's the, that's the intent of this, uh, this non this this co-conspirator non-indictment, uh, uh, you know, clap trap that they, that they are using against us. The U.S. government's attempt to isolate the African People's Socialist Party and the horror movement from its allies and supporters has apparently backfired. We're seeing an outpouring of support from around the U.S. and the world. Benjamin Prado of Union del Barrio had this to say. Union del Barrio enthusiastically expresses our support and unconditional solidarity with the African People's Socialist Party, and we demand an immediate end to all U.S. state repression against the Uhuru movement. 
Clearly, these terrorist tactics were used by the FBI against the party's leadership and its membership to demonstrate uh, that the agency seeks to block the advancement of self-determination and liberation struggles that has characterized the work of the African People's Socialist Party for over 50 years. It is clear that the FBI and the Biden administ imperialist administration, as well as the repressive government, is desperately seeking to impose their power through violence and repression and believe that with falsehoods and political slander, they will intimidate and subdue APSP leadership and its historical militancy. Touch one, touch all. Unidos venceremos. Touch one, touch all. Touch one, touch all. Touch one, touch all. Fist up, fight back. Fist up, fight back. Fist up, fight back. That was Benjamin Prado speaking for Union de Barrio a Mexican and Latin American revolutionary organization with whom the African People's Social Party has maintained almost 40 years of fraternal unity. New York City Councilman and former member of the Black Panther Party, Charles Barron, and his wife, Inez Barron, had this to say. This is Councilman Charles Barron. And Inez Barron. And on behalf of the Operation Power Movement, we are making this recording in solidarity with the Uhuru Movement and the African People's Socialist Party and its leadership. We say to the FBI, your hands is dripping with too much blood for you to be accusing the Uhuru movement of being puppets of the Russian government. That is absurd. That is something that we denounce. We demand you to back off, stop the harassment. How dare you, the United States? How dare you even fix your face, as we say in the neighborhood, to say that we don't have enough intelligence and history to organize around reparations and colonial capitalism, to organize around genocide. We need Russia to come in and do that for us. The African People's Socialist Party have been around for over 50 years. They have a history in our movement of organizing around every major issue you can think of. As a matter of fact, and my beloved Brooklyn, they came in 1982 and organized an international reparations forum. They need Russia for this. If anyone believes that I live in Brooklyn, I have a bridge I want to sell you. We say all of us who are fighting against colonial capitalism, do not be afraid by this attack on the Uhuru movement and its leader, Amalia Shatella, and all of the members and owner Yeshatella, do not be afraid of this. We have to rise up now like never before and say that we will stand by our brothers and sisters in this movement. We will win and we are sending this statement of solidarity to the leadership, to the membership, and to all of those who are fighting on behalf of our people. We know that this is a tactic of the FBI and this government to try to create division try to give out disinformation, try to create fear, and to smear and belittle the work that we are doing. We know the work that the Uhuru Movement has done, the African People's, African People's Socialist Organization has done. We know the economic development. We've seen it both in person and in video, the work that they have done, the housing they have developed, and they have created awareness and an awakening of our people. So we stand in solidarity, 
We say we're going to continue. We say we're We say we're going to continue to fight for our freedom and not be intimidated. So in the name of Tupac Shakur, Uhuru movement, keep your head up. That was New York City Councilman and his wife, Inez Barron. Together, they have represented the African community of Brooklyn as council people in New York State Assembly for over 20 years. St. Louis Alderman Jesse Todd and Zaki Baruti, President and General of the Universal African People's Organization, came out to stand with the Uhuru movement at a press conference in St. Louis on the afternoon of the FBI raid to express their support. Kofi Taharka, the national chairman of the National Black United Front, expressed the MBUF's position. We stand in solidarity with the African People's Socialist Party and Uhuru movement in condemnation of the attacks against their offices and residents in several different cities by the United States intelligence apparatus. It reeks of coin and tail pro era assaults against the Black Liberation Movement. The purpose is to discredit or otherwise neutralize the target. We're coming to you from Houston, Texas, in the spirit of our brother, Omawale Kathleen, Black Power and Uhuru. The December 12th movement, a Black human rights organization based in New York City, brought together numerous organizations to speak out at a press conference following the FBI attacks. Here's Viola Plummer, chairperson of the December 12th movement. Every action that they attempt, we have to move on it. We have to move on it. What they did to the Ahura movement was to say to us, we're coming for your head. Comrades, this is a war. This is a war. This is not uh, let's raid the whole movement and they're gonna go away. They are waging war against our comrades. How dare they? How dare they handcuff Chairman Yachitelli? And how dare they, Yachitelli and his wife, destroy furniture? Destroy archives. Destroy newspapers. How dare they do that? New York State Senator Jabari Brisport expressed his solidarity. I came here in solidarity to be in solidarity with the Uhuru movement, with the African People's Socialist Party, with our comrades in St. Petersburg, our comrades in St. Louis. I stand against the actions of the FBI, and we must stand in solidarity against these actions and let them know whenever they take these actions against our brothers and sisters in any city, anywhere, in America or abroad, we will stand up and fight and say that is unacceptable and we will not stand for it in solidarity. Thank you. Mohammed Mohammed of Al-Auda New York Palestinian Right to Return Coalition criticized the FBI's political use of colonial law to accuse the Uhuru movement of interfering in U.S. elections on behalf of the Russian government while endorsing Israel's interference in U.S. elections through APEC. At Alden, New York, the Palestine Right to Return Coalition stands in solidarity with the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru movement against U.S. government state repression. Uhuru! We condemn the physical assault on their persons and the theft and destruction of their property. Their supposed crime 
spreading propaganda. That is the expressing opinion contrary to those who hold power in Washington. The FBI claimed this makes long-time fighters for black freedom paid Russian agents. <laughs> However, the U.S. state has no problem with the American-Israeli Political Affairs Committee, right. also known APAC. Friends of the IDF and other agents of the Israeli occupation regime in Palestine interfering in national, state, and local U.S. elections. They shower millions of dollars on p politicians who vote to spend our tax dollars on, to fund Israeli war crimes. The raids on the APSP and Uhuru movement are an unconstitutional attack on freedom of speech and expression. But it is more than that. It is an attack on the right of black people in the United States an oppressed nation denied human and political rights to organize and act politically. We say FBI hands off the Af African People's Socialist Party and all activists. Return the stolen property and pay compensation. FBI hands off the black community and freedom now! Also expressing their support for the horror movement at the New York City press conference were Lawrence Hamm, Chair of the People's Organization for Progress out of New Jersey, Pam Africa, leader in the campaign to free Mumia Abu-Jamal, the International Committee of National Lawyers Guild, the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, and Zahid Mohammed of the Malcolm X Commemoration Committee, among others. The crescendo of opposition to the FBI raids continues to grow as defenders of the African People's Socialist Party and the Ahura movement throughout the U.S. and around the world make their voices heard. Individuals and organizations, including Lisa Davis, Vice Chair of the Black is Back Coalition, Belinda Parker Brown of Louisiana United International, Ralph Pointer and Betty Davis of the New Abolitionist Movement, the National Jericho Movement to Free All Political Prisoners, and COBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America, the Interreligious Foundation for Community Organizations slash Pastors for Peace, Black Workers for Justice, the Black Alliance for Peace, the United National Anti-War Coalition, the Party for Socialism and Liberation, the Workers' World Party, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, St. Pete for Peace, the Florida Indigenous Alliance, the American Indian Movement, and many more. Speaking to supporters following the FBI raid, Chairman Omalia Shetela reaffirmed the African People's Socialist Party's intent to free African people from colonial capitalism. They're going to say the Russians somehow had to tell us that we were being oppressed, that some Russian guy is the one who is the mastermind. That's a statement about the, they're telling the world that black people don't have enough sense to be able to lead our own struggle. But that's not true because black people, African people, for the first time in history, have our own revolutionary working class party that has created a philosophy that functions as the advanced attachment, as the vanguard for the struggle to free our people. And we're going to free our people and we are not going to retreat because of what the FBI has done, is doing, and because of the threat that they are posing against us. We're not retreating, we're building. And now that's what the, everybody should understand, that this is the African People's Socialist Party that you're dealing with, not somebody that trembles uh, at every move that the U.S. government makes. And most of the people around the world have come to that conclusion too. Nobody's trembling anymore, Uncle Sam. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. America was built, understand, by stolen labor on stolen land. Take a second thought as you clap and stare. Can you rock the house from inside the camp?